The Production Expert Podcast with Julian Rogers, Orji Martinovic and Eli Kranzberg. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast number 394. It's November the 6th, 2019. Uh, I'm Julian Rogers. I'm Eli Kranzberg. And I'm Audrey Martinovic. Our featured deals this month are from Sonox. Sonox are offering a special introductory price on their amazing new Oxford drum gate plugin. Get a 25% discount on this intelligent gate. No more of the unreliable results you get when using traditional tools to gate drums like chatter, missed detection, choked, or lost ghost notes. Just clean, spill-free drums. This deal closes on November the 9th. We have other great deals from our partners like Avid, Perfect Surround, Synchro Arts, and Editor's Keys on our deals page. Fantastic. So, Talking Points, these are sponsored by our tour. Hello, experts and listeners. Pro Tools expert Talking Points is brought to you with the support of Arturia. Arturia now have a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called AudioFuse Creative Suite is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Follow the link in the show notes or visit Arturia.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use, a must for any professional studio. Fantastic. So on to talking points. And uh, our first talking points, one uh, kind of, I think we hopefully will be able to relate to. Uh, it's it's about gear, obviously. And uh, it's about, um, it's about well, gear acquisition. James isn't here, so uh, that will... Unfortunately. <laughs> oh, you know, so we won't be able to throw rocks at him. Well, actually, we, we still can anyway. But should we settle <laughs> with the gear that we have or should we keep buying new stuff? Um, I, well, who wants who wants to start off with this? Um, uh, I don't know, uh, Audrey. Where are you with this? So I I guess I have a tendency to kind of stick with what I've got and only update when absolutely necessary. Like when technology has moved so far ahead that my old stuff is basically just now collecting dust and is not compatible as software updates and things like that. Um, and I guess the reasoning for doing that is I, I like to let other people work out the bugs of the new stuff. And then when Amen. I actually make the switch, it'll be something that I know works and uh, then I'm down, you know, not recording for as little as time as possible. Um, I mean, I guess I think the gear that I keep finding myself buying are uh, probably microphones, um, I am looking for a couple of compressors, um, but yeah, I mean, as far as as the other stuff goes, uh, we did a big studio update uh, where we upgraded from a Control 24 uh, control surface to an Avid C24 um, and then made the switch from Pro Tools 10 to Pro Tools 12, which is what I'm recording with right now. Um, uh, and that that was probably two or three years ago. So, I mean, I, we don't we don't update very often. That being said, I do have uh, Pro Tools Ultimate on my B station because that is my less used, uh, less critical uh, station. So I can still kind of play around and keep keep my toes in some of the newer stuff. But um, okay, so you're kind yeah. of petri dishing stuff on your on your B rig. Pretty much. Do you have a, a rig at home? Do you do you ever work at home? 
I do not. Um, I have some video software on a laptop that I bring, so I can do some video-based uh, editing and things like that from home. Um, I also have Photoshop, but I don't do any audio work from home. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure I will sometimes, but mostly I, I keep everything very separate, and that that is mostly just to establish some boundaries between work and personal lives. I have a problem with Imagine. working. Imagine, yeah, yeah. You know, you know as I'm sure That's... most people do. Like, I I could easily come to the studio and spend you know every day of the week here for 14 hours a day and not even really realize that. Oh yeah, I don't have a life outside of this. So I I live about 45 to 50 minutes away from the studio and I do not have any means of recording that I keep at home. Sometimes I'll bring stuff, but that's that's pretty few and far between when I do. That's that's really helpful. Actually, I mean, I'm thinking because mm-hmm. that, that's like um, something that I miss because my commute is, is extremely short um, these mm-hmm. days, but hasn't always been. I used to have a similar kind of length commute to you is uh, – is having that t- that kind of thinking time where you've got kind of some yeah. self-imposed idleness when you're driving, so because of that you can't do other stuff. Well, I find really I can a- have some of my best ideas or used to have some of my best ideas during that time, but Absolutely. I'd also forget them on the way. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, I mean, and that that's kind of the time where I catch up on a lot of news. I listen to a bunch of podcasts, like obviously this one, but also the Working Class Audio podcast, um, Song Exploder. You know, there's a bunch of audio production stuff that you can still intake information um, if, you know, you have that kind of drive time and you want to be productive. Like, I, I can't really turn that productivity off sometimes. Mm. Um, so that's kind of how I spend that that time is, you know, and listening to music, obviously, and, you know, checking my own mixes. And I tell you what, that's something that I used to do very little because of kind of, if you've really? been doing music, well, if you've been doing music all day, especially, I mean, oh, where, yeah, I, for sure. where, where, where I used to have my day job, I was surrounded by music, whether I wanted to hear it or not. Right. Very much a busman's holiday of getting in the car and go, what do I want to do? I don't want to hear any music. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so, definitely. So, yeah, yeah. Speech-based radio all the way. Eli, what about you? You know... It's a complex question. I mean, should we settle with the gear or keep buying new stuff? I mean, it's not a, an either or answer. And, you know, by gear, are we talking about hardware, software? There's all kinds of varying degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny, Audrey, you're talking about working at home and having that, that boundary. I mean, congratulations for keeping it old school like that. It's really hard to accomplish these days to have, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of, those kinds of boundaries. Left, and it's great. For me, I'm the opposite. You know, I work out of home and I'm here all the time. So, you know, this question about getting gear, I keep here. Russ's hearing Russ's words echoing in my mind, you know, where he keeps saying, you know, profit is what you're left with after expenses, you know, right. and, and thinking, you know, thinking like that as a professional, I mean, I, I, I'm a mostly in the box kind of guy, my setup's mostly in the box. I don't have that much outboard gear and I can get by without, you know, adding a lot of new outboard gear frequently. And I do, and I, and that's great. But, you know, sometimes you just or I guess all of us, myself at least, you know, you just want some new gears. I mean, I figure I'm doing well. I have lots of profit. I'm, my business is doing great. Mm-hmm. I, and because I'm here all the time, the distinction between when I'm working and when I'm not working is kind of vague, you know, because mm-hmm. like I think most of us, you know, we're musicians and we do some kind of audio production here. I do some recording here. And the the line between do I need new gear for work or do I want some new gear just right. because, you know, it's fun and I want it and, and what the heck? You know, so it, it's a blurry line. So I, I, I think it's not a black or white answer. You know, another thing, you know, we've all heard of the term gas gear acquisition syndrome. 
I have, <laughs> I have another, you know, I, I mean, I, I didn't coin that phrase, but I'm going to coin a variant of it. I'm going to call it RDS, rich dentist syndrome. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know what that is. <laughs> no, but I mean, but I, I, I've seen a lot of, you know, I do tech support and a lot of clients, they're, you know, successful doctors, lawyers, and they're hobbyists. They just do this for fun and they have disposable income and they mm-hmm. can throw money into gear. And, you know, I go there and, you know, let's face it, a lot of the music stores are, you know, that that's a lot of their target demographic is, you know, rich professionals who are in their 50s who mm-hmm. want to play in a garage band or whatever. And, and, and you know, so they, so I remember about 15 years ago working at a client's place. He was a doctor and he had this great setup. He had a drum kit in his room with a bit, you know, bunch of good mics, nice interface, big mixing board. And he wanted me to help him, you know, set up logic with the multi-track micing and headphone mixes. And, and it was such a pleasure working there. It was way better than what I had at the time anyway. but I had a um, therapist who was a, a client of mine who hired me to do that exact same thing. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the idea of the rich professionals um, doing that. So that brings me back around to my point where, you know, I do this for a living. I'm a professional. I sit in my basement eight hours a day, well, more than eight hours, but I sit in my basement doing my work on my gear. But I'm also, you know, making music and recording and playing. And you know, some of it is it's personal time. And, you know, like... You know, what do we do with our disposable income? For those of us lucky to have some disposable income, some people, you know, they'll buy a boat. You know, they'll, they'll buy a $70,000 car. I mean, these are signs of, of, you know, when you have a little bit of disposable income, this is how you spend it. What if I choose to want to spend it on, you know, a $20,000 new Mac Pro when it comes out, all souped up? I don't need it for work, but maybe I want to. Maybe that's my boat. Right, so, that's fair. At you least know, it won't so, keep costing you money like a boat would. Bust out another thousand. That's what boat stands for. Anyway, I'm kind of, you know, dancing around answering the question that you, you know, the talking point here. But my my kind of working approach has always been to, well, at least for hardware, keep it to a minimum, get what I need. I mean, I like having, you know, I have a small home studio. I have, I do some mom and pop, you know, semi-pro recordings here. And I have maybe, well, I have a, a full kit of mics on my drums, but I have maybe half a dozen other mics. I like, you know, having different mics to try out. Sure, I'd like to go spend another 2000 bucks and get another one and maybe get a few more and have a dozen of them to choose from. But I just don't really need it. My, my work doesn't warrant that. My business doesn't warrant it. And I don't get enough personal pleasure out of that to go ahead and do it. But um, so all this to say that in terms of outboard gear, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a minimalist. I like keeping it to what I need with a few luxuries that I enjoy. Um, software, that's a different story. My wife, you know, thinks I'm a plug-in addict and, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's a different story, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I, I just want to pick this up just because, I mean, maybe focusing a little bit more. I mean, Audrey, you were saying that, um, you're after a couple of compressors. Now I'm not going to just let you leave it at that. Explain. <laughs> Well, I mean, so I don't have a lot of outboard gear, actually. I have um, our mic uh, pre's are outboard. I've got Millennia um, and then eight channels of Amprio, which are modeled after the Millennia. Um, but that's that's kind of it. Um, I Yeah, so I, I do, I've used some outboard gear, um, you know, uh, an 1176 and, you know, loop trotters and all that stuff. But I want I want to have something of my own. Um, I've been starting to get into uh, mastering a little bit. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, there's not a huge market in, in little Madison, Wisconsin for it. But um, I'm dabbling in it and uh, enough to where I'm like, you know, I, I just want to Put some electricity through a piece of gear for sure, this. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. You want a you want a thing. Um, yeah. So, I want a thing. Any contenders? I mean, do do you have a shopping list yet? 
we're talking gear, so we might as well talk gear. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh. yeah. Right. Um, I I do have a little bit of a of a uh, two that I'm kind of bouncing between mm-hmm. um, the 1176 um, and the 2A, um, and I'm leaning more toward the 1176 because I do want um, an adjustable attack time. Um, but I, any suggestions? I'm you know if there's something that you've used and have really <sighs> liked, I haven't used a lot, so I'm I'm kind of experimenting and um i do like that eli brought up you know working from home because working in a studio there's there's that overhead so you don't really have i think maybe that might be one of my reasons for resisting uh gear updates so often is because we do have a a lot of overhead here we have a staff of four people um uh you know rent obviously and all the other fun things that pop up with that but um yeah, so cost is a factor, but it's you know it's not a, a a big issue, but it's yeah something that we're we're starting to look into. I think. Okay, I mean it's yeah, yeah the, that's a whole topic on its own of what compressor right. should I buy, and the obvious right. answer is is it depends what you wanted to use it for. So you know, I exactly. mean, you, you're hitting on two of the two of the kind of you know the. Um, the ones, the, well, the ones that are, that are distinctive, and everyone knows what you mean by them, right? Um, if you, I, I, I'm really, I, I really don't know what to, what to. I mean, you're not asking me to tell you which one anyway, <laughs> but I'm going to comment anyway because I'm here. But it's I'm, just kind of like opinion, if yeah. it's if it's about flexibility, then neither of those I'd say are, are particularly flexible. They're both just extremely good, but they both right. do what they do. So maybe if you're looking for a compressor, I'd say neither of those. Um, mm. Probably, I mean, I'd, I'd probably be recommending going towards some kind of quality VCA thing, just because they they are the most flexible by design. Whereas, like you say, with an Opto, you you don't have those time controls. With eleven seventy six, it's it's it, you're always going to hear it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Do I, any of you uh, do any of you remember the FMR Audio RNC? I really do remember nice those. I do. I'm remember sitting those. staring Aww. at it. It's one of the very hardware still sitting on my on my desk. I, I don't use it anymore, but I, I don't want to part with it. They were a little but bit. Yeah. They were always a little bit homemade, which yeah. some people yeah. judge them inappropriately for because it's like everyone knows that the most expensive bit if you're doing small production runs, if you're not actually you know subbing this thing out and doing a run. Um, is is the enclosure? That's the bit that mm. costs. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm guessing that that's like just a little off the shelf thing because they use the same thing for everything. But on any kind of self build, um, self build project, it's always the casework that costs the most. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, that I mean, they, the, what I've I'm trying to think. I think I've used one, but if so, it's a long time ago. I used to use it on all. I, I'm not sure what it is actually. I used to use it on all my VOs before I went into um, Apollo uh, a couple of years ago. Hmm. Before you know, now I'm using the, the software. Do you know, do you know the unit, Audrey? I don't. Okay, FMR. I don't know what FMR stands for, but they used to make an R- sure. RNC. It was called. They yeah. made a few other RNC one seven seven three. RNC stands for really nice compressor. Yeah. Oh, I bet. And uh, and yeah, and there was kind of it was a little kind of like steel case, small. It wasn't like a rack mounted thing. And yeah, just yeah, it's a half rack. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Years, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a bit of a classic. Hmm. So brings me on to my next thing cool. I was going to say, which is okay. We're talking about kind of okay. Should we get new gear? Should we not get new gear? Well, I mean, are either of you, what you know, what needs up? What needs an update? What needs upgrading? What needs to come? You've kind of already answered, Audrey, but Eli. You know, I mean, if if you've got a shopping list, and it sounds like it's probably fairly short because you're um, yeah, yeah. you're you're sensible and and not somebody <laughs> who who 
makes impulsive purchases. But what what do you need, or what you know maybe would be top of your list if you were looking to to, to spend um, th- some money? These are these are small things, and it's funny. Just ten minutes before we started this podcast, I ordered some stuff from Amazon, <laughs> I, 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 which I don't often do. But I have you know for my voiceovers, I have like a little tabletop mic stand, and it's. Not great. Like I have, you know, some padding underneath so it doesn't pick up my keys on the keyboard, but it's not great. So I ordered a a desk, a side sort of clamp mic stand that clamps onto the side of the desk to, uh, you know, with an arm, like a boom arm to go over. So I'm hoping that'll give me a bit more isolation from the, you know, tapping on the keyboard. Oh, what? Do you not have one already? Do you not have like an angle poisey sort of? No, I, you know, I, I, I used to use a regular boom and now I have just a little round base straight one that, you know, only goes up about a foot high. But with the right rubber underneath, desk. like oh, a little sure. banquet stand. Yeah, is what we yeah exactly. And, it, and you know what? It, it works. It does the job fine, mm. except for this isolation problem with the QWERTY keyboard. Mm. So I'm hoping the clamp will be better. And I, I also ordered, ordered a little replacement shock mount for a, like a generic shock mount for one of my Audio-Technica mics where, where the shock mount's been broken mm. for a while. Um, but anyway, notwithstanding that, uh, what gear would I get? Um, I think, yeah, some microphones. I, I, I wouldn't mind getting, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, because, you know, voiceover work is my main thing I do with my videos. So just for my own enjoyment, I mean, I, I, the mics I have and use are fine, but, you know, it'd be fun to experiment with some other mics. Just to, what's, what's your you know. VO mic? I'm not sure I've asked I'm you using that. an Audio-Technica 4040. Nothing fancy. Oh, okay. you know, sure. I've got a couple of 4050s. I, li- I like them. They're great. Yeah. They're, they're really good mics, although I'm not using those now. I'm I'm surprised you don't have an angle poise. I mean, I've got one. Um, I've used it for ages, and um, something that I had to buy. I use mine with an M two hundred one. I mean, just like mm. a, I've I've said a lot about this in the past about how it's just everyone with their SM sevens and stuff, and it's like oh, I don't want a mm-hmm. big thing, a big thing like that in front of my face blocking my. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is one of the things I really like about this mic is it is is it's quite small and unobtrusive and doesn't block my view, you know. But um, yeah. something I had to do when I got the uh, when I got the the angle poise was I had to buy a Rycote, um, uh like shock mount for this mm-hmm. just because I was just using the standard clip, but. I was going, what's that? And every time I kind of like put my elbow down on the table or something, I could hear this kind of, right, right. and it's the springs. It's like built-in spring reverb. <laughs> <laughs> and it, honestly, the Rycote sorted it right out. But if I was using this with the standard clip now, it would be like listening to surf music. It's just, yeah, yeah. yeah it's this this, this uh, arm that I bought today with the clamp for the side of the desk, I made sure it's got like a bit of like sort of rubber in, in the clamp part, you know, so there's isolated mm. from the actual desk and mm. the metal hitting the desk from the clamp. But anyway, we'll see if it works. That's, that's rather modest, actually, in terms of buying new stuff. Because, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the other new thing I would buy, actually, and I just don't really have room for it here, is I wouldn't mind getting a new drum set for my basement. Because, you know, that's my instrument is drums. And I have my drums set up and I record here. And, you know, just for my own enjoyment, I'd, I'd like to get a new kid here. But nice. I just don't have room. And, you know, the issue, what sizes do I get? And then what do I do with the current one? And, you know. Okay, that's that's an interesting thing, just because something I, I wrote down when I was just putting some kind of like uh, points down about this talking point was, I don't know about you, but in my head, I absolutely draw a complete distinction in terms of the scrutiny that I approach a purchase with between gear, which is gear, and is kind of like, you know, don't be too acquisitive, be careful, don't buy stuff you don't need, buyer's remorse is a terrible thing, you might not use, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And instruments, which are just different. And you know what? For an me, instrument's it's not, always a good it's, idea. 
for me though, I, I earn my living from both. You know, it's not. I, it's funny. I, I, you know, I earned my living for 25 years playing in a wedding band here in Montreal, doing corporate and wedding stuff. And I have a 30 year old drum kit. It's a great drum kit. I, at the time, I bought a Yamaha recording series in 1989, and it's been on the road with my band for all this time. And it's old and it's out of date. It does the job though, and I don't upgrade it because again, this profit is what you're left with after yeah, all the yeah. expenses. I mm-hmm. mean, it's. You know, again, the rich dentist thing. I've go to so many drummers' houses who have like fantastic kits, and mine, you know, like just because I'm earning my living with them, I have this this psychology of modesty and keeping the expenses down. But um, I don't make that distinction personally because I do earn my living from both. Although not these days. These days, it's more from you know the studio stuff. Do do you I, not do you not sort of recognize that thing about kind of the. Uh, the the size of a drummer's drum kit is inversely proportional to the quality of the drummer. Have you come across that before? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have. You go into a yeah, gig and you see some rack about, system with like about... 90 toms and it's like, and you see a little kind of three-piece <laughs> oh, no. set with, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll give you a perfect example. An old friend of mine who's my age, he lives not far from me, and he's uh, an, an engineer. He, he does AutoCAD. He's into, you know, wow. hobbyist oh, an musician. engineer. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, but I mean, he's he's a hobbyist. He, I don't know what he spent, but he got a huge Tama kit. It takes his whole basement up with two bass drums. There's got to be at least a dozen toms and about 15 cymbals. He's, you know, he's just a hobbyist. He's not a great drummer. And he just, he enjoys it. It's in his basement. He likes having it there. It gives him pleasure. And he sits and plays on it. And God bless. But, I mean, I would never spend that kind of money on a drum kit for mm. myself. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. And I think that, like, the... The the MI industry is very aware of kind of like the difference between the kind of things that uh, uh, working musicians want and then the the other more lucrative end of the market, which is yeah. kind of absolutely, I get that completely. I'll just think about this thing about, there was a guy that I used to know um, who uh, I didn't, I mean, I didn't realise, I knew him as a guy who just kind of like played a bit of guitar and he was this sort of like older guy who was kind of, you know, uh, clearly kind of comfortably off. And, and he asked whether I'd go to his house to just kind of like give him a hand with his computer. And it was when I'd been driving up his drive for kind of about five minutes and still wasn't at the house. And I was thinking, oh, I see. And I turned up at the house and I mean, I'll spare the details, but oh my God. You know, I mean, I've been to some nice houses, but this was like, seriously <laughs> and wow. um and i went down to his his basement which is extraordinary i mean it was so big and so beautiful and so full of gear and i yeah i mean it was it was all slightly hopeless to be honest just because yeah i mean he didn't really know what he wanted and we sort of left it at that but i went to see his band play a little pub gig and you know that thing about all the gear i won't complete mm-hmm. the thing but it was the most extraordinary thing i've ever seen because you know like the perspex um round the drummer shields you know, like the acoustic screens that people use yeah, at yeah. gigs. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what they're called, but those things. I've never seen those used in a in a in a in a pub gig a before. Yeah. But what I couldn't understand, I mean, clearly there was an issue with him actually getting enough people in a band with him to play. But he had he had somebody <laughs> on drums. He had quite a good singer actually, but he he clearly wanted a keyboard player and a bass player, but didn't have one. So on a table in front of the in just in front of where he was standing at the front was an iMac. Running a load of stuff out of out of I think it was out of Logic, and it was and it was it was, yeah it wasn't it wasn't great. But the thing was so funny about it was that I spent the whole time watching his Logic session in the reflection that it was casting <laughs> in these perspex screens in front of the oh. drummer. Wow. It was yeah it wasn't the best gig to be honest. But, you know, <laughs> fair enough. He was trying. <laughs> 
So See, um, that basement sounds like a dream for me, even though I just said like oh, I the house record was from home. Something <laughs> like, else. I oh that. no, honestly, wow. it was like vaulted ceilings, and it was like, yeah, I mean, it's as close to to a stately home as I've been to in a kind of you know, yeah, no, it's extraordinary. So okay, so we've talked about Aldrich's compressors. We've talked about uh, Eli's uh, re- reluctance to uh, to to buy things that he may or may not need. But uh, I think you were saying you were going to buy a new box of paper clips or something, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what you're talking about though. This thing about you know having expensive gear for semi pros, it it bleeds over into our area of the industry as well. You know, with this fetish, fetishization of like vintage hardware. You know, buying really expensive universal audio SSL emulations or Neve emulations. It's you know you want to have that experience of having the board in front of you. I mean, I think some of that high end hardware and software stuff, like some of the universal audio stuff, I think appeals to that demographic as well. I mean, there's obviously working professionals who want to kit out their studio with top quality, but there's also hobbyists who can afford and want to sort of live the fantasy. I'm sure people will mm. collect software in the same way as they collect hardware, but I think it's a different thing. I really do. Of just kind of, yeah, I mean, there are people with plug-in habits, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it's... It's just not the same in terms of in terms of. Um, uh, I mean, I'm just thinking in terms of quality hardware that I've got. Apart from apart from the transducers, apart from the monitors, and apart from the the um, the microphones, which yeah, I mean, I've, I I have some. I don't have anything really special, but I you know, I, I, it's okay. The only thing I have apart from my my interface, which I've I've yet to outgrow. I've got Redfall Pre, and I've very deliberate choice with me of just kind of like. Um, get something extremely expandable, and with with mm-hmm. since, since you're in Dante, you can keep going. And this is a thing that I keep saying to people about: you don't need to decide how big an interface you 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 want or need. Right. If you've got Dante, you can just modular it up and keep adding bits as much as you want. But I do have a nice preamp, and uh, mm. it's this is something that I definitely think about buying buying hardware like that. Is that it's it's all very well having it as and if you're using it, it's incredibly healthy. And I, I would feel so guilty if I wasn't using my 1073 every day. Right. But luckily, mm. I do. And I mean, I have been through some periods in the in the past where I haven't used it for too long, just because it's not something you need. Absolutely, you don't need. And I was trying to streamline how I was doing things, and it just kind of went in the sort of storage rack and got put away. And I couldn't bear it just because it was there looking at me going, remember me? Aww. I sound really lovely, and I might be slightly more inconvenient. <laughs> actually, tonight, I'm not using it, uh, which is very unusual, actually, and it's because of kind of like an issue I've got but where basically I'm, I, I need to run into an input other than the one that my custom loom would naturally take me into because of some software stuff I'm doing. So I'm actually actually going through the Redfall Pre at the moment. And I feel a little bit bad just because it's right here next it's to me. Guilty. It's guilty. And it's like, you know, there you are, there you are. So, yeah, I think buying buying gear, hardware gear, if it's used, is really healthy. But the I'm saying kind of like it rewards more, but it also... I feel way guiltier about not using hardware than I do about not using plugins. I've got so many oh, yeah. plugins that yeah. I just like, Puh, whatever. I've just downloaded a bunch of plugins and haven't actually like installed them or set them up or anything. They're just there. Mm. Like yeah. someday I'll get to it. But anything that I've actually bought that I could hold in my hand it has been used like right away. So come on, yeah. how many how many uh, plugin demos have you had expire before you ever opened it? 
Oh, I I don't know that I could put a number on that. Yeah, but it's, it, it happens, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I've definitely had these a few times. But okay, what about plugins? Just because um, if we're talking about you know gear acquisition and stuff, and I'm certainly someone who said for a long time, use stock plugins because they're great and they do the job, and they might yeah. not be glamorous compared to you know some exotic thing that you don't have coming as part of your DAW. In fact, it's a thing that I've said loads in the past. I've, I've, I have come across an attitude, including in myself, of just kind of like, yeah, it's only a stock plugin, though, isn't it? And sort of seeing it as somehow less good just because I didn't have to go and buy it separately, right. which is yeah. which is silly. But you know, I can see it in myself, and I've certainly seen it in others. And I hate to say it, but I I don't know about you, but I mean, I'm guilty of getting seduced by the GUI sometimes too. Oh, completely. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they do do such a nice job on them? Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a there's a great example coming. Logic's perfect for this, just because you've got the choice and you can display just the black with the little sliders or the GUI itself. Right. Can you do that with everything? You know, I know you can do it with uh, a, a all lot the of internal things. ones. Yeah. And yeah. A lot of the actually the external ones as well. The thing is, though, I mean, any kind of semi-complex cool. plugin, it's just indecipherable when you're looking at Control View. It's just a bunch of sliders. You got to really think about. Yeah, I don't know if I do it with see. some kind of something like Alchemy or something, or you know. But yeah, um, forget it. I but mean. if but if you just kind of got you know, I mean, the, I do have Compressor Envy with 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 Logic actually because they did such a nice job with that yeah. compressor in Logic. Yeah, they, did. they really yeah. did. I do think they made the GUI a little a little large. <laughs> well, you can resize it. Can you? It's okay. Res- All right. Yeah, it shows how often I use show, shows how often cool. I use uh, um, Logic. But uh, but yeah, absolutely, they did a lovely job with that. And I mean, yeah, if that if that were available um, in AAX, I would definitely use it. But that's never ever ever going to happen. But uh, yeah, yeah, they did a beautiful job. In fact, something that I've, if there's one change that's happened in the time I've been using plugins, tell me what you think of this. It's, um, I used to value hardware compressors particularly over software compressors just because, particularly if you're talking about one like, um, I can remember being in a friend's studio and he had a Focusrite ISA, the mm-hmm. 430. And, uh, the the plug the the compressor was just tickling the vocal on the way in and I was just watching this physical VU meter and well it's not a VU meter then is it it's a gain reduction meter but you know what I mean like a moving coil yeah. needle meter <laughs> and um, and it was just you know just kissing the top like that and I, and I could I could really you know it was giving me such constructive feedback to kind of not to see the gain reduction because obviously it's hearing it but to kind of confirm and kind of forms this really helpful feedback mm-hmm. loop with what you're hearing being mm. corroborated by what you're seeing in this very helpful direct way. And I was yeah. thinking if I use a software plugin with a, a picture of that meter on it, it's not the same Mm-mm. because it's just, it, it, the ballistics are just wrong and it's probably screen refresh and probably, you know, the computer might be kind of dropping some frame rates or something, but if it's working, I don't know exactly, but it was never convincing. And the mm. first plugin I ever really noticed going, oh, yeah, that's nailed it, was that Logic compressor plugin. I went, yeah, oh, yeah. that's doing it. And wow. the quality of metering has got so much better, just the visual kind of thing. So you're saying, yeah, does that stuff you look at matter that much? Y- yeah, in some cases mm-hmm. it does. Yes, you know? I agree. <laughs> you know, just a little uh, side note here, in terms of using the Logic um, plugins and Pro Tools, you know there's the main stage route. You get main stage for 30 bucks, and you get every single Logic plugin in there, and then, you know, you can route to it virtually. If you, you know, if you've got some internal software routing, you can access all the all their plugins from their instruments and effects. 
Oh, you mean rooting out from another DOW? Yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah. literally, main stage thirty dollars, you get everything. It's it's unbelievable value. Every wow. instrument and every plugin, and yeah, if you're set up to do some kind of software routing, you know, you can access it that way. Oh, it's crazy value. I did, before I um before I left education, because uh, you know I, I knew I was going. And I was thinking, what am I giving up? Okay, uh, the job, yeah, whatever. Oh, educational <laughs> discounts. Oh, think carefully. And and the <laughs> the one thing that I did was they do they probably still do a fantastic um, pro apps uh, bundle price. And I think it was something like 200, 200 pounds yeah. or something. And yeah, you got yeah. they, they logic, in final you got cut. Yeah. final yeah. cut, you got motion, mm-hmm. you got, yeah, I th- that might've been it actually, but that was enough. Just logic and final cut, like, you know, for right. hundred yeah. pound each is just kind of like, wow. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Oh, and compressor as well, which actually I, I think is extremely, extremely useful. <laughs> well, I actually have a, a different point I was going to, I could bring up here is that, so when we talked about acquiring new gear, but how often do you get rid of the old stuff? Yeah. You get rid of something old, yeah. you know, you bring something new, you let something old go at the same time. The one in, one out on. policy. Right. I'm the only kind of one in one out. It's not even a one in and out policy is that if you buy a guitar, you have to also buy a guitar stand. That's our only rule here. Um, But yeah, I mean, we kind of just let stuff pile up and then do a mass, you know, Craigslist exodus uh, every couple of years. But we definitely, I, yeah. So I wanted to hear what you, what you guys do. Do you get rid of stuff as often as you buy new things? Oh, you're reminding me of, I, in, in the 90s, I used to go to some really, really dodgy parties and sort of like just kind of like <sighs> hippies with dogs on strings to like listen to <laughs> rave music in fields late at night, you know what I mean? And the thing about these kind of sound systems people running in those days was they were cobbled together. Nobody ever bought a PA. Someone had an amp, someone had some speakers, someone had this, someone had a generator always, you know, and it was just making a pain of yourself and keeping good good people awake at night who don't deserve it, you know. But uh, Mm -hmm. hey, anyway, the thing that I remember saying about this was I was saying, yeah, you see when people get new speakers, no one ever throws any of the old ones away, do right. they? And these sound mm. systems just got bigger and bigger and sounded worse and worse. <laughs> <laughs> As those more Frankenstein Absolutely. together. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the yeah. drivers there, they've clearly had a boot through them at some stage and they're still being thrashed, you know, and it's, yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> and, yeah, there does come a point where you need to get rid of your old tat, definitely. I think, I mean, we're all probably reasonably good at that with our plug-in folders. Oh yeah, so right. why can't we do <laughs> that with our with our boxes of cables? Because I know I know I can't. Yeah, I, I threw away some scart leads the other day because I went, nah, it's never going to happen. But you know, I mean, this was a this was crossing something of a boundary for me of like throw a cable away. Right. Yeah, <laughs> there's that little voice in my head that's like, well, you you never know. Like sometime yeah. it might be handy yeah. to have hey, this Scuzzy might crap come around. back. <laughs> <laughs> I threw up my scuzzy cables. <laughs> oh, we should do, we should do that. It'd be proper old old man territory. Uh, yeah. uh, name the connector. Oh, that's a Centronics bloody hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, so I think we should move things along. Uh, our next talking point. We we shouldn't spend too long on this, but it kind of fits in quite nicely with this whole thing about uh, about gear and new stuff and things, but. Gating. I've been talking about gating a lot in the past couple of weeks. This is largely brought on by by the very, very excellent um, Sonox Oxford Drum Gate, which made me look at gating. 
again in an entirely new way of going, wow, this is actually really, really interesting. And I've done loads of really, really nerdy deep dives into dynamics processing. But gating. Um, Eli, we should start with you because you're a drummer and you doubtless mm-hmm. have very, very strong opinions about the decay of a drum. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on then, you know, gating. I, I, okay, first of all, I, I got to say up front, the, mainly I record myself on drums. I don't record a lot of other drummers in a lot of other environments. It's mainly my set in my room with my mics and my setup and me playing. Now, having said that, I don't usually mic my toms. I mean, I have a small room and a small kit. I have overheads, a kick mic, snare mic, and a hi-hat mic. And I don't generally close mic to toms, although I have on occasion. When I do, you know, actually related to gating is muffling, but sticking with gating for the moment. When I do, I've experimented. I don't like gating it. I, I don't mind the natural bleed of the tom resonances. To me, it's all part of the homogenous blend and tone and sound of the kit the resonances that are generated in sympathetic vibrations. I'm generally not a fan of gating. I have done it, though, you know, on more sort of refined pop productions where it's really more of a clean studio sound. I do see the merits of it. And in that case, I, you know, I'd go in manually and just edit out the regions and put little fades in where I need to just, you know, it served me best at the time. Because as you've pointed out in a lot of your articles, the thing with traditional gate plugins and hardware too on on tom mics is you know they're cutting in and out at the wrong points you're missing some quiet notes or or some sustain gets cut off and you know you can monkey around with the release and the attack and the threshold all you want but i mean it's never a one-size-fits-all at least in my experience it hasn't Mm -hmm. been you spend 90 percent of your time chasing two percent of the hits yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, it's easy to dial it in to get it 90% of the way with a couple of tweaks, but then there's going to be those few little places and mm-hmm. you go in and automate it. And, you know, by the time you start with all that, you may as well just go in and, you know, swipe across and delete and just do it manually. Um, I, you know, I think in terms of time and, and cost benefit analysis, cost of time, you know, and benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Um so, but I'm curious to, I know you, you're very enthusiastic about the new Sonox uh, gate plugin, and I, I'm curious to, to try it out, and maybe at some point I will. But uh, for now, like I say, I don't usually mic toms, and when I do, I usually don't mind the ring, and if I do, I'll just cut it out in the DAW. Okay. Before we move aw- move move away from you, though, Eli, okay, that's toms, but we're not necessarily talking about toms. Other elements of the kit ever? No. Oh, actually, you know what? That's not true. On my kick, I have on my kick mic. I put a gate up front, and I have the way my my setup is that I can set the gate to just get rid of the snare hits in there, and, and like there, it really works for me because I, mm-hmm. I have a sweet spot where I'm not getting the snare in there, and, and maybe a really loud crack will come through, but and and it doesn't matter even if it does, but ninety five percent of the snare will get gated out. So yeah, on the kick mic, I do use it, but no, no other no other uh, mics. Okay. Audrey, what about you? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't use a whole lot of gating on drums and I, it's mostly, I agree with Eli there where it's, it's just easier for me to just go in by hand and just tackle it and not have to screw around with, you know, setting any parameters. Um, I have used, um, on, uh, we do a lot of podcasts and, uh, interviews and things like that. So I'll put them on, uh, vocal mics uh so that it's gated to kind of like block out the bleed from the other speaker if they're in the same room sometimes we you know mm-hmm. i'll do that um but I, I i think the most where I, i'll end up using a gate is if i'm trying to demonstrate to someone how a compressor works just because with a gate it's you know it's so hard on or hard off that it's really easy for someone who doesn't really know what compression or overcompression sounds like. This is exactly what, like. I've, what I've said very mm. recently, actually. Is, oh, yeah. really? No, that's how I used to introduce it to students. 
is a because if you can't exactly. hear a gate opening and closing, then you're on the wrong course. Right, <laughs> you know? exactly. But exactly. there's so much you can do. I, I I think I've told this story before that I used to do a thing with um, uh, ducking on our drummer two hundred one, where I'd get I'd get somebody's iPod and get them to plug it in. This was like through a PA system, and I just playing the most white noise gent metal you can you know just whatever you know <laughs> some double kick thing yeah and i just get it so that the gate only opened when i spoke into a mic so nice. i just go so I'd, I'd talk and then they just hear rah, 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 bursts of <laughs> blast beats and stuff and it, it just it worked it got the attention i like the fact mm. you've mentioned uh using it on something other than you know toms or something so so how mm. would you set something up to usefully keep stuff tidy on something like a podcast situation um i mean it it kind of depends. So usually if it's an interview, I find that people are more natural if they're in the same room. Um, so I'll have them kind of facing away from each other. So just from that, I, I try to minimize bleed starting that way. Um, but You mean you have I'll, the mics facing away from each other? Do you have the people correct. facing away from the each pe- other? No, the people are facing each okay. other yeah, and the mics are back to back. Yes, I find that people are real natural <laughs> when they don't look at each other and they're just speaking to someone's back. Yeah, um, yeah and um, yeah, I guess, I don't know, it's pretty gentle. I don't I do not do anything like a super uh, fast attack. I, fast attack, I tend to do a little bit of a longer uh, release just so it can kind of, you know, it, I don't know, it, it, it won't Sounds catch laughter or if someone coughs really mm. loud, it's it's not enough to get rid of any of that. Um, but the key is, I think, to listen to, um, you know, whatever track you have the gate on is to make sure you're not losing any um, S's or TH sounds or any of those little consonants that don't really pop through as loud as uh, someone, you know, someone's actual yeah. voice does. Or don't have the showed to I. <laughs> right. Yeah. You see I, what I, I did agree, there, I think. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I've exactly. experimented with, with, with gates on my VO mic, you know, on and off for years. And I, I haven't been able to find, like you say, with the consonants and the T's right. and the S's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's it's hard. I can't do yeah. it with mine. I, I really can't. I, 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 no. I edit my stuff manually. I've become yeah, incredibly faster mm-hmm. with clip gain in Pro Tools as a result. Yeah. I love clip And I can just mm-hmm. like that through it and do it mm-hmm. as, as I'm going. And, and now I've, I've got that completely down. But I've tried so many times with using a, an expander with kind of with, you know, really carefully just trying to pull breaths out and stuff. And it just, I yeah, it's that same thing of like it's slower. Yeah. Trying to do the automated yeah. thing ends up taking longer than doing it manually. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I've tried that expander trick with like um, audiobook recordings, just getting mouth noise or breaths or anything like that out, and it just it does not work. Yeah, it's just no, always me too. Going I've, I've manually. been trying them for years. But, Julian, the one thing I find that I use all the time now that I'm totally in love with is the Waves NS1. You got to try it out. It's not explicitly a gate, but it just removes all the. It, to me, it, it has a nice soft kind of attack, you know, quality to it, where it removes the room noise and it doesn't interfere with, with, you know, these plosives and consonants and things like, not plosives, but consonants and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, Check it out. The NS1 from Waves, I I fell in love with it. It's the best, that's the best 30 bucks I ever spent on a plugin in my life. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, my th- my thing is 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 always um, it's so rare for me unless I'm demonstrating something like you were saying, Georgie. Um, I, I never use a gate as a gate. I'll always use expansion, and I I almost never have the uh, um, have it gating all the way down. I'll always at the, at the most I'll be right. I'll be I'll have the depth set to you know twelve dB or something just to push stuff down because that's right. all you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And if you're not yeah. pushing it that far out of the way, then all of those 
you know, negative side effects yeah. of they're uh, not as dramatic. The they yeah. they just disappear completely. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you yeah. can do stuff, and it's kind of you're not really gating that much. But it's always the thing of somebody listening to something in solo, going, "I can still hear the bleed," and you're going, "Yeah, so what? <laughs> so what? Right. So what?" The the really the one that I I do like and I use quite a lot, and it's probably the only time I use kind of any kind of like even you know, relatively hard gating. Is um, something like um, something like a, a, a kick out mic, which mm. I'll, I'll I'll absolutely I'll, I'll use some expansion on, but I'll I'll key it from the kick in. Mm. So you've got it working like that, so it's opening, and and you can okay. use that with with uh, um, with snare under mics and stuff like that, just to control them because you've got a nice clear close mic for a trigger, and then you can use that via. A, Interesting. Chain. Yeah, so you have the kick out mic triggered from the, a gate on there with the kick in mic triggering it. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it gives you so much more control over what it's doing. And obviously not all the way down, but an out mic can right. can end up with all sorts of nonsense on it. And obviously, sure. if it's got too much nonsense on it, then if you're pulling it down, you're going to hear it working. But you can you can make things a bit better. And that's as much as I'll say. Or you can just use Sonox Oxford drum gate because it's amazing. <laughs> I wonder what the Slate gate plugin is like. They came out with some, you know, gate plugin for <laughs> drums recently. There were, you know, a few months ago that that has been well spoken of. I've heard good heard things about them. I have yeah. never ever used them. Another one that I kind of forget about um, is uh, because ga- I mean a gate plugin. The only other one I could think of was there was uh, some DSP. Gates yeah. in the uh, sixty. Is it the sixty sixty? The ultimate uh, channel, like the all in together one. And there was an yeah, expander. They, they and there was only, a gate. They added it in. Yeah, one of those multi plug-in version ones. That's when they added it in finally. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember the exact number, but yeah, one of those. Really interesting. I haven't trip. haven't tried it. Uh, yeah. I don't think I've ever used it actually. But um, but the other thing that it had, which I thought was really interesting, and I, actually I touched on recently on something that I. I'd written that I don't think don't think's come out yet is uh, was about um, upward expansion, which is something mm. that nobody talks about because mm. it's just too it it's just too unnatural. <laughs> it's abstract a bit, yeah. but that I remember there was there was definitely some element of upward expansion available in the in this uh, DSP thing, and I thought, oh right, you know, go for the go for the obscure stuff, nice one, because you know, I mean, hey, everybody's done done compression to death, haven't they? And you know, it's kind of like it's nice to see, see the the other versions of dynamics processing that are out there, and uh, we can all get confused about upwards <laughs> compression and whoa, you know, so. Okay, so uh, we should probably move things along. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you will know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. And even on a good day, it really isn't good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser, no software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Okay, and on to the find of the week. This is sponsored by RSPE Audio Solutions. RSP Audio carries nearly every great microphone you can think of, from budget to boutique. They have microphones from Sennheiser, Neumann, Earthworks, Shure, Loughton, Peluso, AKG, Blue, Townsend Labs, Antelope, and many more. Not sure what mic you need? RSPE's team can help. Just tell them the work you do, and they can recommend a few mics. Plus, if you're in L.A., you can book a demo so you can try them out before you buy. Shop online or contact their team to find the right mic for you. 
Okay, so Audrey, what's your find of the week? So uh, I got this little email, um, and I'm actually going to go ahead and click the link here. It's an email from Pro Sound Effects. So I'm not sure if there's a way to find this handy little survey on their website, but if you are a subscriber of their email, you should check it out to see if you got this too. So it's this, we want to hear from you. Uh, a little survey uh, to complete, took like 10 minutes to do, and at the end of it, you get a copy of a sound effects library worth $49 for free. Uh, it's a Foley Essentials library. Um, it's got, uh, well, from uh, Mark Mangini and Richard Anderson. And um, yeah, it just had a bunch of random sound effects in it. Um, some that you'll probably use and some that you probably won't ever use. But if you're a collector of gear, you might also be a collector of sound effects, and I definitely am. So I did the survey, downloaded the sound effects, have been playing with them, and had to share because in case anyone else out there is a, a hoarder of all things sound, this is something you should check out if you've gotten that email. I'm going to have to cut in like kind of like elephants roaring and helicopters and stuff while you're saying it's, that. Just I could you know. send you some of these effects. <laughs> and um, there is one that is a bong rip. Um, there is plenty of ambient sounds, um, <laughs> Foley Essentials. Oh, there's tons of different footsteps. The props folder is fun because uh, it's like there's uh, a few different cantaloupe uh, ripping into sound effects and a, a celery break. So if you're doing any kind of Oh, they use that for, viscera, for bone breaks, can... don't they? Ooh. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so all, all sorts of fun stuff there. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. All right, so um, Eli, what about you? What's yours? You know, I just got to follow up on Audrey's. I saw your link in the podcast notes uh, an hour or so before we started, and I, I went to do the survey. And because uh, I'm actually looking for some Foley effects right now, I'm doing some videos on um, Symphony, reverb, uh, post production reverb from Exponential Audio. Anyway, I did the survey and I'm having trouble downloading it. They, they, I have to register oh. with the site and they keep saying, you know, try again in 10 minutes. And I'm sure it'll oh. be okay, but uh, I just haven't quite gotten it yet. But uh, maybe to maybe it. the site's busy. Yeah. It, everyone's just getting their sound yeah, effects yeah. right Free now. Stuff. Yeah, I think it's until November 12th. Um, but okay. yeah, I had to create an account and sign in yeah. and all that stuff too, but it worked uh, yesterday or the day before, I think, when I tried okay. it. So well, I'm going to try it again once we get off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's my find of the week, um, Bass Dude. It's a guitar amp plugin from Plugin Alliance. I bought it. I had a $25 coupon. It was on sale for 30 bucks. It cost me $5. <laughs> but it's nice. a, a fan. Yeah. Um, it's a really nice guitar amp plugin. You know, I, I record a lot of guitar here, and I often need more of a, a clean sound, you know, not, not the heavy overdriven stuff. Right. And it's nice in that it seems to have a wider range of, of tone for, you know, the clean and slightly saturated sound rather than the over-the-top distortion. So... I've only used it on one session so far, but I'm pretty happy with it. I'm looking forward to exploring it some more in, in the on the clean guitar sound, you know, spectrum. I was really glad to see yeah. that, just because I I'm on record. Of, I've done I've done some stuff on the site with Bass Dude, and I've used an awful lot of amp sims. And it's funny, just because I I don't have really strong opinions about guitar sounds. I'm not one of these kind of like uh, you know tone uh, fascists. But uh, <laughs> but but that is beyond question my favourite uh, Ampsim plugin. I absolutely yeah, I love nice. it. I don't know what yeah. it is about it, but it just does what I want it to. And I mean, I've tried exactly everything. Yeah, yeah. I've tried all. I mean, 
Yeah, everything that Plug and Alliance do, everything that Universal Audio do. I mean, my next thing actually after Bass Dude is probably I still really like Eleven. I think it sounds fantastic. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's this. Maybe I like those um, simpler, older designs. But yeah, I'm really surprised yeah. how some of the really premium amp plugins. I just haven't really got on with that well, but that one <laughs> nails it for me. I absolutely love yeah. it. So what about you, Julian? Oh, mine. Okay. Um, I did uh, – this is not new, but it's new to me. I remember it when it came out, um, and I went, oh, that's the thing, and I never checked it out. It's Audio Test Kitchen. Have you seen it? Have you looked at it? No. Just right now. Right. Okay. So you haven't – because I remember hearing no. about this at the time and going, oh, wow, that sounds really interesting. And then life, etc. and I just didn't check it mm-hmm. out. It's It's – it's uh, an extremely clever thing, actually, and they've done such a good job. Um, they've just taken uh, – it's over 200 mics, and they've basically thought very carefully about how to make a completely reproducible performance that they can record over and over and over and over again under very stringently repeatable conditions. And, yeah, wow. they're doing all sorts of stuff that's very clever, kind of making kind of like, you know, robots robot, – kick pedals to do the drums and uh, right. I mean obviously they're like DIing the guitars oh, but I'd wow. imagine they've got like a disc library or something for the for the um for the for the piano. Uh the vocals and acoustic instruments, I I'm thinking they're using just a kind of an extremely accurate small diaphragm condenser. Um I I, I saw I, I watched a video, it was grey. I'm guessing it may have been a Sherps, but something you know, really nice, and then just playing it back through uh, through a, a really nice ATC monitor in an anechoic room, but then mm. placing the mic in exactly the same place. So while that might not be exactly the same as being in front of somebody's mm. mouth, it's the same on every single recording. So the comparison is still valid. And yeah, Aww. there's loads of stuff on there. So you know, I mean, I was lining up. I was going, okay, how does taking ones that I knew and trying them against other ones that I knew perhaps less well and wanted to try out? Uh, you've oh, got a thing called be like, like a, quiz a taste or kitchen thing, which yeah, it looks cool. I'm just looking now. It, it is, cool. it is cool. They've done a very nice job on it. And I mean, while there are some things I go, oh, that's not absolutely perfect. I'm going, yeah, but can I think of a way of doing it better? And frankly, no, I can't. So, you know, I mean, well done to them for doing that. So, yeah, and basically you can compare stuff and just get get some kind of idea of what things actually sound like in use. And the thing that's nice about them is that they've done it across a variety of different sources. Because, you know, while mm. something may be amazing... Here's an example. Um, I, have, uh, I have a TLM-103 which I've used a lot. I know it extremely That's what I'm recording well. on right now. Well, it, mm. it's, it's a great thing. People mm-hmm. call them boring. I'd say you mean accurate. But uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but no, great sounding thing. I've also got uh, a 4050 and I've used uh, an SE4400 a lot, which I always thought was very nice. I always thought that was very good through the mids, actually. Extremely nice. Mm-hmm. Do you know the SE4400? Mm-hmm. It looks a bit like a 414. Terrible, terrible uh, shock mount, lovely microphone. Um, anyway, it was uh, and just bringing those up and I'm going, right, now, I have never really rated my TLM-103 on female vocals. Now, I mean, that's a bit of a stupid thing to say because, like, who's female vocals? You know, you know, but mm-hmm. people make these very broad uh, things. And I'm going, okay, well, what does it sound like on this compared to uh, compared to this other one? And the one that I've – something I've never tried is a, uh, is a SE Aria. Not, not SE, um, uh, Sontronics Aria. 
But uh, I know they're very popular. I know that Rush has got one, for example. So I was lining up a little test, listened to the different microphones. And while it's not the same as using one, it's an awful lot better than reading about what somebody thinks about it or even just kind of like the kind of stuff that we do where you might hear it, but you only hear it on kind of like two or three different sources, which is great, but you're not in control of the process. So, you know, I mean, I know James is very thorough with these things and he tries to use them on everything that he can in the context of what he's doing, which is so much better than just somebody talking into it. But still, Mm -hmm. this takes it a little bit further. I talked about that for quite a while, actually. So, yeah, if you haven't seen Audio Test Kitchen, it is really good. Yeah, that's super cool. See, there should be like a little like a a quiz or something where you can go on and you hear a sample and guess which microphone. Oh well, the kind of is because they have a mystery. Oh really? They have a mystery box where they chuck one in that's like a bit of a wild card, and then you can click on it and find out what it is. Okay. Mm. No, it's an interesting one. It's only it's only large diaphragm condensers at the moment, and to be honest, I'm less interested in that than I am. In well, particularly in dynamics, I'd really like to see that stuff done with dynamics. And you never know, they might do that at some point, but you know. Okay, so uh, that was Audio Test Kitchen, and uh, that was my find of the week. But on that note, I think we'll finish. So uh, it's good night from me. Good night from me. And good night from me. Good night. <laughs>